Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. How many of you have been keeping up with what's happening in As- at Asbury Seminary? I, um, I think there's a, uh, I, I really want us all to be, um, there's a scripture in Isaiah, it says, seek the Lord when he may be found. Evidently, there are seasons when the Lord can be more found than seasons at other, other seasons. There are times when the presence of God comes near. I think uh, Ben talked about that thin place several weeks ago where God, there's a very thin gossamer veil between us and the eternal dimensions that really are our inheritance and our long-term territory. And um, this morning, I just have this, this uh, very strong sense of a, a weight. I want to read you a scripture. We've been in Samuel. I can't get out of Samuel personally. I'd like a little bit of epistles. Uh, you know, it's like the Lord says, no, I want you to drag me back to Samuel. And I read it, and I meditate on it, and I, and I say, Lord, I could really use a little bit of Titus this morning. And he goes, no, I want you back. I just want to read this one verse out of Second, uh, 1 Samuel 3. Yeah, we haven't gotten very far. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see. I don't think that's... I, that's talking about his natural ability. But sometimes, as... Corinthians tells us, 1 Corinthians 10, it tells us first the natural, then the spiritual. And uh, as I was praying this morning, just I said, Lord, I, you know, I'm just, I'm really wanting to just really, this theme that God's been saying, drop the oars, the self-effort. And I... <laughs> So, just to, uh, as a way of uh, both confession, and I, I really have no idea exactly where we're going this morning, but I felt like the Lord said, start here. This is not at all what my note, I have actually had to put them aside. But um, there is a place where the church, and I'm not talking about any other church, I'm talking about this church. You know, sometimes we can get a, sometimes we talk about the church in some sort of self righteous mode that allows us to not place ourselves in, the, in that role of those whose eyes get dim and they can barely see what is going on. And I. There's a, there's a scripture later on in 1 Samuel that's 
has all the scholars totally perplexed, and a lot of us that read it kind of go, okay, so what's the point? And it says, in those days, they were called, the prophets were called seers. And it was, it was inter, interjected in a, as if, and so, so basically there were two types of prophetic people. There were those that kind of had hearing, and then there were those who were seers. And some of them would see what God is doing, and others would hear what God is doing. And this, this, uh, this, this interjection kind of confused uh, the, 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 a lot of the scholars. But I, I, I just had so much clarity one day. The Lord began to not just help people see, but he began to speak to them. Because it is through words that affection gets most communicated. That's why babies in the womb come out already emotionally healthy or damaged. Because they've heard the words of their mother and their father. And it's amazing. Scientists have now proven that even fathers can have a deep connection with their child who has no ability to do anything but hear sound. Because they certainly don't have any cognition, and most babies come out of the womb unable to see immediately. And so what the Lord was saying is, I am moving away from a group of people that only see what I'm doing and can read what I'm doing and have a familiarity with the text of the Scripture, but they're hearing me talk to them. And this is, this is one of the m- most important parts of the theme. There was this whole school of prophets that we read about in Samuel. And the first incident of this is that Samuel was ministering with these prophets. And there was, it's, it, it, later in, the, in, the, in Samuel... And in Kings and Chronicles, it got, became named. It was the school of the prophets. But early on in Samuel, it wasn't called the school of the prophets. It just, there was this bunch of people that were prophesying. And it says that, that Samuel, first of all, we started out the very first week. It says the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And then, and then within a few chapters, we find out that God, there's this, this, this group of people that are prophesying, and Samuel is right smack dab in the middle of it. Now, here's what we know about Samuel. Moses was and is by but both Jews and Christians considered the last great prophet of the Old Testament era. Moses is the prophet. There's a, nearly all the Jewish scholars and a lot of the Christian scholars now understand that when uh, Moses said, one day there's going to be a prophet rise up like me, a lot of Christians read that and think, oh, that's Jesus. 
But a lot of scholars, and Jewish scholars particularly, believe that that, no, that was Samuel. And why was it Samuel? Because Samuel introduced the desire that Moses had initially. And what was Moses' desire? That all God's people were prophets. So the Lord began to pour out His Holy Spirit upon His people in Israel through the prophet Samuel, who was introduced to the Lord by a verbal Samuel, Samuel. He called him by name, and then the little boy was confused. He didn't didn't really know the Lord. But here's, here's an interesting comment. Twice it says it in the first part, and I want us to laser in on this. Because I think this is where we are in this season in the Lord. I, I, I want to hear and see what God is saying and doing in the earth today. It says that he was ministering to the Lord. And the very next sentence says, but he did not know the Lord. Don't you just love it when Bible, the Scripture says things that you're sitting there scratching your head and say, well, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. And this is from my own experience. When I meet Jesus through salvation, I have an encounter with the, the very voice of God. None of us in this room who, who, have, who have a sense of their eternal destiny being with Jesus personally in eternity, none of you got there just by sheer decision of your own will. You got there because you heard the voice of God. He summoned you, and you believed, and because you believed, you were born again. Just like an infant that has just been birthed, that doesn't mean you really know your parents yet, right? I mean, we, it takes several years. And can I just say that the way you start is by ministering to the Lord, which is really a good word for all of you parents that have 8 to 12-year-olds who decide they no longer want to go to church anymore. This is an aside. You get this for free. Be the adult. Be the adult. Say, no, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You're going to minister to the Lord, even if it's boring. And for those of you that don't have teenagers, you know that is one of the most common words they ever profess. It's boring. Can I get an amen from somebody? <laughs> How about a teenager? Amen. Yeah, I'm bored. I hope you're not bored this morning. I hope I have your attention. But, but, my, but, but part of what we've been tasked to do is to actually 
get a revelation of who Jesus is so that we can write the kind of songs that we were singing and we say it is incomprehensible to get how deeply you love us, but I'm getting just an itsy bitsy bit and I am now inspired to write this amazing song that we all will sing for years and generations to come. The Lord is looking for a people who will minister to Him. Not just to each other, and that's important, as important as that is, but there is a ministry to Him. And it is a ministry that most of us are not very familiar with. And here's the interesting thing. Ministry to Him evidently precedes knowing Him. And Him revealing Himself to you because He is looking for those who will seek Him. And when you seek Him with all your heart, He will be found by you. Now here's, 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 the, here's, the, here's the irony of all of this. Most of us become incredibly... About, about halfway through, right, like right now, of this message, people start going, oh, man. And the next thing you know, you feel a little condemnation. And you go, wow, that's, I'm, I, I, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the burden of this. And I, and, I, and I do want you to sense the burden of this, but this is not a heavy burden. This is an invitation. This is a summons to a depth of relationship that so many of us, we've been raised in church, and in a way we've kind of been ministering to the Lord for years and years, but He is not that personal friend. And I'm going to give you an example of the personal friend that, uh, that, that <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I, I, went, I kept rereading it. Let's see, Paul, uh, I told you what this, so Samuel, Saul gets anointed king, Saul is a horrible king, he, he does everything wrong, and the, the Lord has rejected him, and um, the Lord said to Samuel, this is chapter 16, so I'm jumping way ahead. But I want to talk to you about what it looks like after you learn to, to know the Lord and He reveals Himself to you. You've ministered to Him, and then He begins to talk to you. And this is the conversational relationship God develops with you. And He says, and the Lord said to Samuel, so, so the Lord has told Samuel, look, I, I'm rejecting Saul as my king. I've picked him but now I regret it. In fact, let me just read you the, the verses in the previous chapter, chapter 15. Then Samuel left for Ramah, but Saul went up to his home in uh, Gibeah of Saul. Until the day Samuel died, he did not see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. And the Lord said to, there's a chapter break. 
but there's not really a chapter break because that's man-made. Then the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? That's interesting to me. I think Samuel really had a pastor's heart, but now he needed to move on. And I believe that that's a really good, sometimes, if God can regret things, then certainly we can have regrets, can't we? But the Lord knows how to get over his regrets and move on. It's a good example for us, right? And he's, he's teaching Samuel this. So he's having this personal dialogue about Daniel's emo, I mean Samuel's emotion. Isn't it interesting? He said, how long will you mourn? How long will you be sad, Samuel? I don't think that was a reproof. I think he was talking to his friend. And I'm going to tell you exactly why I think that happened. He said, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Come on, get up. Stop your grief. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, (laughs) how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Now, I want you to listen to the instructions of the Lord. Then the Lord said, and this is what it says, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and then I'll show you what to do. You're to anoint for me the one I indicate. Do you just notice what the Lord said to Samuel? Samuel, I want you to practice subterfuge. (laughs) That's what you say to your good buddy. I mean, I'm not making this up. You just heard it. But you, you, your religious ears can't say it that way until the Lord says, did you notice what I did? I talked to my friend who was in grief and mourning to get up and go. And, I was going, and he was worried and I, he was full of grief and fear. And you know what I just said? Don't worry about it. I've got your back. I am anointing the king of my purpose. Do you know what the name Saul means? We ask for him. That's what it means. What was asked for? Do you know that so much of what we get in our prayers may be the Saul's in our life, and the Lord is letting us learn those are not what we need? Sometimes the worst answer to a prayer is a yes. You know... Samuel was so brokenhearted when the people wanted a king. He, he, he was devastated, and he was mad at God's people for it. And the Lord said, hey, Samuel, they, they haven't rejected you. They're, they're rejecting me. But give them what they want. Now, here's what I think, you know, look, I, I can't tell you exactly what was in the Lord's mind. I do know this. He picked a man after his own heart. 
And we know that that man was David. But we know more importantly, the man after his own heart was the true king of Israel and all the nations of the earth, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The one man that God has, that is a man purely after his heart. That was the prophetic king because the last, the very last chapter, the very last verse of the, the book before Samuel is Judges. And it says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes because there was no king. That's an interesting statement. Now, that statement was said several times in the book of Judges, and it was a reoccurring, a reoccurring theme in the book of Judges. But what it tells you and me is that every one of us need a governor in our life. We need the government of God, the rulership of a king in our life. And if you don't have that, you will be your own little fiefdom that's pretty pathetic and miserable. But you will be the king of your own life, or you will submit to some other king and some other idolatry. This morning, our invitation is to minister to the Lord until He reveals Himself to us. That's the invitation. And I want everybody to stand up. This next several days, we are going to be fasting and praying. Our fast is not a spiritual Ouija board. Our fast is not some manipulative device to entice God to see how hungry we are so that He'll do something. Our fast is to help us notice how much attention we actually pay to our material world, specifically the food that goes in our stomach, and how much pain it causes us when we deny that, and how perhaps utterly unaware we are of that that thin veil that actually does exist, that's, what it, that's one reason we go into a season of fasting and prayer. The other reason we're going into a season of fasting and prayer is that it, coincidentally, which I don't believe in coincidence, I do believe in convergence and providence, and I believe that God is bringing His people all over the church in America particular, but maybe all over the world into crying out for revival. And you know what revival really is, don't you? I don't think most of us realize it, but revival literally is the pulling people back from death. They're dead, and they need to be revived. If you work in a, as an EMT... You do not want to have to be bringing revival. Right? Put the paddles on. That's really what it is. 
what we first have to do is we have to examine ourselves. So that's what we're going to be doing the next several days. We're going to be examining ourselves. At 7 o'clock every morning, that area right back there in the cafe will be open. And we're inviting anybody, all you men that have to say, well, i got to be at the work by 8.30. Well, now you can get up and you can join us for prayer. At 7 o'clock in the evening on Monday and Tuesday, our college staff will be leading intercession and prayer. So Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, worship band, come on up. What I want us to do is I want us to consecrate ourselves to minister to the Lord and seek Him while He may be found. And I want us to begin to see and hear what the Lord is saying to us as a people. And I don't want us to have any pointing fingers toward any church. I, can I just say one of the worst things that we can ever say about ourselves is we're a really good church. Well, well don't we, it's, don't get me wrong here. I, 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 we want to love our brothers and sisters. But we're the fellowship of the flawed, not the fellowship of the perfect. That's who we are. Now, having said that, we want to pursue maturity, which is perfection. And so this, this morning... I just want us as a church to continue what we, we, we've been sensing. There, there, is a, there is a thin space that I want us as God's people to stand under and minister to the Lord. Not so we can have a combustion, but so we can be transformed to be like Jesus. Jesus didn't need a revival. He was revival. You, this is is so that we become revival, that we stay in a place where everyone around us is impacted. I'm meeting with a couple this afternoon to talk about marriage because I said something to somebody at my gym. They found out I was a pastor and they said, could you marry us? And the, the Lord said, I set that up for you. Do it. So now I've got, I've, I've got, I got ministry to, I don't even know if they know the Lord. I'm not sure they do, but that's, but, but, we become revival as we go about just loving Jesus and loving others. I want the life group leaders and some of the elders to please come forward, some of the staff. All morning we've just been in a place, we're, we're kind of ending early today for me, so that we can spend some time out in the lobby. Uh, this is so that we can raise support for our missions and mission efforts this summer. I think somebody's going to do some announcement on that, but I just want you to come forward. If there's a place in your heart that is cold and needs revival, and I really do sense some of you have been in... Um, You've allowed the attraction of so much of the world to to distract you. I really feel that this morning. There's some some of you that have just, you love the Lord, but you've you've allowed, there's competing interest for the supremacy of Jesus in your life. 
He does not and He will not be an add-on. He is Lord. And you feel like you need to do business with Him. I want you to come and pray this morning with anybody up here. And if you have a physical sickness or a, a relational issue that you just are plowing through, and I don't care if you've been up here and get prayed for before, get prayed for again. Pray and keep on praying. Amen. Lord Jesus, I just pray that your word would not return void, cancel any foolishness on my part. Lord, I ask for your grace, that your living word, that your, that your truth would change hearts this morning. Lord, as we consecrate this fast over the next three days, ending Wednesday evening here again in this sanctuary, Lord, I pray that you would visit us with your presence and you would revitalize and revive every single heart that, that, uh, of people that are members of this church. In Jesus' name, amen.